Welcome, and thank you for joining the Unbiased Label Podcast, where we believe labels belong on clothes, not people. I'm your host, Zara Karutz. On this podcast, we have real talk focused on all things fashion and culture with a critical global perspective at the intersection of industry and academia. This episode examines the hot topic of imposter syndrome and how fashion can play an important role. According to Psychology Today, people who struggle with imposter syndrome believe that they are undeserving of their accomplishments and the high esteem in which they are, in fact, generally held. Those with imposter syndrome are often well accomplished and they may hold high office or have numerous academic degrees. British Vogue editor-in-chief Edward Enenfull told The Guardian last year that, quote, imposter syndrome is what drives me. I couldn't think of a more appropriate person to explore this topic with than unbiased label fan favorite Dr. Carolyn Mayer, a London-based chartered psychologist and fellow of the British Psychological Society. Dr. Mayer created the world's first psychology for fashion master's degree program at London College of Fashion. Dr. Mayer's seminal book, The Psychology of Fashion, lays out the idea of fashion psychology, which has now become a global phenomenon. She is the original. In my eyes, Carolyn is a genius, and I absolutely adore her. I'm thrilled to talk with Carolyn in London about imposter syndrome. We talk about what imposter syndrome means, we look at how it relates to fashion, and most importantly, how we can overcome it. Now on to the conversation. Do enjoy. Today we're talking about the topic of, we're diving right in, imposter syndrome. You're the doctor of psychology, so we're talking to the right person on this topic. Thank you. Thank you. It's a psychological feeling, a phenomenon that we have when we feel that we're undeserving or unworthy of the status or the esteem that other people hold us in. Yeah. So it's the feeling of being unworthy. How does this manifest? We're just now starting to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a feeling rather than a mental health condition. It's a feeling we have when we're in a situation that we are afraid that we'll be found out as a fraud. Ooh, phony. Yeah, exactly. Phony baloney. (laughs) Phony baloney. And the reason that we feel this is because it's a kind of self-doubt. And usually the people who feel it most, the people who are most susceptible to it, are the people who are most able, perfectionists, and people in underrepresented groups who are working in a minority situation where they may may feel, well, underrepresented because Mm -hmm. they simply are, but also that they have to perform to a higher standard 
than the mm. majority of people in a situation like that. But it's usually people who are very high achievers who seek perfection. Okay, so you're talking about two classes of people, two groups. If we're looking at the data, it's categorical in the sense that there's these two types of groupings that we can lump together. The first one that you're talking about is people that are highly driven in general to be successful, to accomplish something. Oprah talked about this a lot, so that would make sense. Edward Enenfall is talking about this. Lazy people, you're saying, don't tend to feel imposter syndrome. Because they lack awareness, so it's absolutely, it makes sense. It's not necessarily that they're lazy. It's that they don't reflect on their performance. Uh. They don't experience this, the motivation to make something as perfect as possible. So people who are quite happy to perform on average, let's okay. say. let's say that. Then, yeah. then they don't feel like as imposters. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely it not. It a function. Not everyone can be overachievers. Not everyone can be Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so true. Yeah. Okay, so people that are just happy with their life, maybe they're focused on relationships or family or just in general they're just really content individuals exactly okay Ex exactly or they may simply lack awareness of their own performance and they may may believe they're doing a great job with a standard that they're achieving and not worry so much about what other people think or just believe that other people think they're great but if you're a high achiever and you care about success and that's important to you doing a good job, in my mind, I'm thinking, wouldn't you also encourage yourself and know that you're doing the work and that you are great? So where does this creep in, this doubt, this, this, what did you say before, this sort of... Um... It's a fear of being found out as a fraud. Okay. Yeah. So where does fraud and phony come in with actually performance because they don't go together well it could come through socialization being told you're not good enough um that you're never going to achieve anything for example at school if you were in a school that had streaming for abilities you might not have been in a top stream that might have made you feel that you're no good at what you do even though mm. you know you might have just been a late developer or the school system didn't work for mm -hmm. you very well but quite often it's the, the striving for perfection. And we know that perfection doesn't exist. Mm. Anybody who strives for perfection will never achieve it. So the individuals who have perfection in their mind, always striving for that and, and feel their work is never good enough. Mm. And that they shouldn't have the esteem that other people hold them in, that they're undeserving of it. And this is where imposter syndrome comes in. And that causes these feelings of fear to come in that can hold people back as well. That's powerful. So it could be, we're talking about the first group of people, mm -hmm. the overachievers. It could come from their environment growing up, their education, their family, and experiences that shape them, that shows to them the internal dialogue of not being good enough. Exactly. Fear. So it could be created that way. Yeah, then exactly. you have the second group of people, the underrepresented, the minorities. Talk more about this second group. Well, quite often for people who are in underrepresented groups or minority groups, they feel they have to perform better than other people to achieve the same status. So it used to be 
common for women in the workplace, I believe it or not, I even hate myself saying this, but when women first entered the workplace, <laughs> oh, I'm laughing now, but it's actually not that long ago, where women entered the workplace not as secretaries, not as the tea makers, not as the, you know, somebody's assistant, but in an equal type of job, women felt they had to perform better than the men in the equivalent roles to achieve the same status. Right. And we still are seeing non-equal pay across genders. Absolutely. And Wage I mean, disparity. Terrible. Or how about dressing like a man to fit in to be yeah. like a man or yeah. acting like a man? Yeah, absolutely. Well, dressing like a man, yes. Acting like a man does not work well for women <laughs> because rather than being assertive, if they're called aggressive. Right. Or troublemakers. And I've heard people of colour say the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, people of colour, LGBTQIA yes. plus people, people who are in underrepresented groups in the context that they're performing in. Right. Where they feel that they have to make a case for themselves because they're underrepresented, that they have to perform better, even though their work is of, a, of an equivalent or, or higher standard. And people do hold them in high esteem and recognize mm -hmm. they're doing a fantastic job. So this is a kind of mm -hmm. your own worst enemy situation. I've been through this for many years. As a person in a career that wanted to succeed and has high standards and comes from a family of a work ethic, and often I just said to myself, produce, produce more, just yeah. do more, do yeah. more. Who you are doesn't matter. Yeah. And I was really hard on myself and the dialogue and the self-worth. So this is an internal battle, is what you're saying, that is shaped by external factors. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I had a similar experience at school. I was told I'm, um, I will never achieve anything. I'm not good enough. Um, yeah, and I was even held up as the bad example at school. <gasps> Don't end up like her. In a class that I was in, I mean, just shocking. That's horrible. Yeah, so, I mean, it did me no favours at school. I, I certainly wasn't an underachiever. I was a high achiever, but I absolutely hated school and left the minute I could. I never really loved school either. I, I was a fine student, but I never thought, like, oh, I'm a smart person. No. I just thought I'm a creative person. And I wasn't until I went back much later to pursue my, we talked about this, my academic yeah. career and yeah. become an academic. I struggled with identity. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm, wait, I'm smart. Yes, I'm really smart. And start to believe in myself and think objectively. And my mom always said, you just don't see yourself right. Mm -hmm. I'm always so critical. So exactly. I, I think that's really destructive. And I'm glad that we're talking about this because I think this is new to talk about this so openly. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I see myself in that situation because, you know, I didn't go to university till I was in my late 30s. And even then I was thinking, you know, do I deserve this place? Do I deserve to be here? I'm going to be found out. You know, when I did well, I was thinking, wow, I've been lucky. You know, it's luck <laughs> uh, rather than it's achievement. Right. That's another symptom of imposter syndrome is that when we, when we achieve something, we feel relief and we put it down to luck rather uh, than feeling a sense of pride that we've achieved right. something through our ability right. or through people's 
you know, esteem for us and that we deserve to be there. It's this, exactly what you said, Zara. It's about this self-belief. And what is my identity as a non-achiever, a fraud, a person who's undeserving of the place in society or education, wherever it is? Right. Or am I a person who works hard, who deserves to have this achievement? That's right. You know, and I mean, it's... It's a very important conversation because you're talking about self-worth. You're talking about adding on to your identity, your accomplishments, which builds who you are, which says I am deserving, which allows you to grow and pursue additional goals or dreams in life for yourself, not for the society of standards. Exactly. That's exactly right. And it's something that we have to overcome a research in the in the states found that 80% of us to 80 80 wow. will experience imposter syndrome at least once in our lives in and it can occur in any situation so we're talking about in education we're talking about at work but it can be in relationships I have as it well. in dating yeah yeah I feel like I'm not because I've never had a successful relationship that I don't know how to do it and then I'm bad at myself and I'm just going to cry in the corner right now and come back because (laughs) it's this slippery slope of a snowball yeah yeah you're not you feel you're not worthy of it it's cry and it's just it is so destructive devastating and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy as well that's exactly right I've been watching all these videos on frequency and setting your manifestation, how you see yourself, finding the right frequency and vibes to, you know, to manifest it. This is like psychological warfare. Do you think Mm -hmm. this is what's going? You're the brain doctor. Is this what's (laughs) going on in your brain? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we we can be so critical of ourselves and we rely on validation from other people when we're insecure about who we are, and our place at the table. Ooh. Yeah. Say that again. That was so powerful. <laughs> when we, uh, we are, wait, we're insecure. And we rely on validation from others. Yes. Yes, and we have to move away from that. We have to know our own self-worth. Do you remember the advert that said, because you're worth it? Yeah, that's right. That's such a fantastic I know. slogan. You know, not not just or even for beauty products, but for life. We're worth it. That's right. We're worth it, you know, and don't care so much. Of course we care what other people Mm -hmm. think about us, but we don't know what other people think about us. And we have our own perceptions about how other people see us, and they're usually wrong, and our perceptions are built on our own self-perceptions, our own sense of self-worth which if it's depleted means that we see other people as thinking of us in a in a not positive way. You're right, it comes back to how you see yourself yeah. and not needing the validation of yeah. other people is so key and crucial. And now I'm at the point where as long as I like myself and I'm happy, we're good. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. We have to more than like ourselves. We have to love ourselves. Yes. You know, first and foremost, and then we can take it from there. You know, hard work, absolutely. I do think, you know, you said yeah. your your family and you, and I know you do for absolutely certainly, have a strong work ethic, and I think that's super important. Yeah, that's why we get along. Yeah, abso- <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. 
but it's not the be all and end all. No. We have to have strong values yeah. across what we do in our lives. I'm all for a strong work ethic. I think it's super important mm -hmm. in, in all aspects. But there's other things as well, a strong sense of self-worth, mm. a good high self-esteem that we tell ourselves we're deserving, we deserve this. It's not just luck. It's not by chance mm. that we've got here. It's not we're going to be found out. We have to think about what have we we done? What what have we achieved? What are the challenges we've overcome to be where we are? Do you think that there's a strategy for overcoming imposter syndrome? You can overcome it by simply, well, simply, I say simply, inverted commas here, but the first step is to really think about there is no such thing as perfectionism. Forget perfectionism. Okay. Strive for as good as it can be. Now, I'm not talking about average here or mediocre. I'm talking about strive for as good as it can be. Put in your effort. Do the best you can and then let go of it. So don't fight for perfection. That's one way. Right. The other way is talk to your trusted friends. And I say trusted here because that's super important. You don't just want people who just agree with you. Talk to people about your worries about being found out. When you trust them, it's it's perfectly fine. You have this psychological safety that that it's it's fine to be vulnerable. But that also works in their favour because quite often other people feel this way too. Mm. And they will also disclose. And then you can discuss about, well, you know, this doesn't actually make sense <laughs> to feel this way. Yeah. I think that's very powerful because perfectionism has a grip. And if you really hone in on perfectionism, you can get lost in it. You can zoom in so tight if you want to and look at every single error. And so the, the, what you're saying is that concept of moving out and just looking at the whole thing. Like you Absolutely. Don't, you don't need the brush strokes to see the picture. Where's the Absolutely. picture? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That was powerful. And then the second one is have people you trust. Yes. Or person that you trust. Yes. Or your dog. Yes. Fine. <laughs> Getting it out. Yeah. I mean, some people may even want to go to a talk to a therapist. That's right. About it. Yeah, absolutely. A counselor, therapist, just somebody to bounce the ideas off. Yeah. And to keep a record of achievements mm. and begin to kind of hone a sense of pride in what you've done rather than relief. The, to think about all the things you've achieved to get to where you are now. And that's very powerful, too. Yeah, because what you're saying is learn to really appreciate yourself. And that's the relationship you have with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because the lesson I had to learn was, and it was quite painful, to really blossom into who I think I am and want to be. There's this process of people are not going to like you. <laughs> and I was like, I'm writing this book about it's okay that no one likes me because I like myself. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's what matters. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? The more honest you are about yourself mm -hmm. and the less you care about others not liking you, the more they're going to like you. And why is that? You show your vulnerability, you show mm. your honesty, you're open, you're transparent, you you express your feelings, you don't waste time with people that you don't want to spend time yeah, maybe with. Maybe I don't like you. No, exactly. <laughs> Forget liking me, I don't like you. Well, exactly, exactly. And I think that's a super important lesson. 
And we've said, love yourself. Yes, love. Care less about what other people think about you. And they really will like you more. And you choose who you want to spend time with. That's right. And it's people you like. Yes. People you value. People you can grow with. Exactly. Exactly that. That's so, so wise. I'm really curious to see how this fits into the fashion world because your work is the psychology of fashion. You recently did a ad campaign with Stitch Fix around this whole notion of fashion and imposter syndrome and overcoming. So let's talk about this. We've mentioned 80% of us will experience imposter syndrome at least once in our lifetime. At least you say once? Is that like an individual moment of... Could be. If if we have a major a major task, let's say you're doing a talk in front of a thousand people, you know, which can happen. Yeah. You may approach it and, and feel great about it, and then suddenly you're there on the platform and you're overcome with this kind of terror, more than fear, of what am I doing here? I shouldn't be here. I'm not worthy of this. Or you follow someone who's a great, you know, an expert, a a world-known expert in a field, and then you traipse on the stage after them, and you're like, oh, no. Fear is insidious. It'll find you anywhere. (laughs) Next thing you know, you're like, I think I'm kind of scared right now. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You're right. It could could be a situation. It doesn't have to be this ongoing battle. Exactly. Exactly. So when we think about that, and we think about fashion, and we think about how close fashion is to our bodies yes you know it's our second skin it's how we express our identity to other people then it's not surprising that we're going to experience imposter syndrome in relation to fashion Mm. so if we dress in a particular way to belong to a particular group which is what we do so we want to make ourselves our identity fit a particular type of fashion group let's say Social it could group. be yeah it could be because of music we have a music taste so we dress like the people who like that music or or it could be that we want to dress in a particular genre of fashion yeah. but inside we don't feel that we belong ah. so we feel it like we're pretending yep and that when the people in the know in inverted commas see us as part of this group they'll know we're not really really kind of authorized to be there we don't deserve to be there so we have this this idea and the research conducted by stitch fix actually showed some very interesting findings that around 50 percent of us feel fashion imposter syndrome Mm. that we shouldn't dress in trends that if we dress in a particular trend a trend that's happening now if you can keep up with the trends because they change every two minutes (laughs) um but if you if you want to dress in a trendy way 50% of the people they surveyed said they felt as imposters in that trend. Interesting. Yeah, and another surprising finding from the research was that, on average, people stopped trying to look trendy by the time they were 35. Oh, interesting. How do we define this notion of trendy? Yeah, good question. Yeah. So... uh, Well, their survey asked about following trends. Okay. So do we how you know do we think we follow trends basically again yes no answer so not on a like type scale 
when did you last follow a trend? Mm. Or when did you give up following trends? Or when do you think you will stop following trends? Those kind of questions. And the average was 35. Wow. How do you interpret that? So I'm not entirely surprised because we know from other research that people experiment with fashion in their teens, in their early 20s. Uh, they like to play about with fashion as they play about with their identities, present themselves in different ways, you know, switch the kind of social groups they want to be seen as belonging to. But then as we get into our late 20s, 30s and onwards, we have a more fixed sense of who we are, right. a sense of our identity, and quite often a better sense of, or a more fixed, let's say, sense of the styles that we like in particular right. situations. So rather than have one fixed style, we know how we like to dress in particular situations. Fashion is used as a second skin, as an identity, as a social belonging, as a standard. There's all this nuance and meaning encoded and language behind fashion. So there's the macro level of that. But then there's individual moods and expression that's really creative and artistic as well. So you have this sort of duality of the meaning of what fashion holds. I could see that 35 mark where you're saying people are sort of set. Yeah. So who they are is who they are, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And that's, on one hand, that's great because they know who they are, they know their style. But on the other hand, it can make a person look staid or old-fashioned. Right. Or just kind giving of... Giving up. Yeah, giving up. <laughs> giving up. For me, it's less about following trends, but about stepping out of your fashion rut and trying something different. And just seeing how it looks, seeing the effect it gets, I think, more importantly. Keeping your head in the fashion game. Yeah, I think that's super important. Because it's meant to be fun. Yeah. It's really individualistic. And if you're going back to this notion of imposter syndrome as it relates to fashion, you could easily reinforce that by not trying things yeah. that are different because you feel like you don't belong to that group. Exactly. And that's not true. No. There's no fashion police. <laughs> Not that I know. Joan Rivers died. <laughs> Rest her soul. She was the fashion police. <laughs> She'd get on the red carpet and tell you what she thought. But you can do whatever you want. Absolutely. And that's, that's again, you know, we're talking about imposter syndrome. It's having this, this awareness that perfection doesn't exist. And the output that you have from your appearance... When you're confident about how you look, mm -hmm. you feel comfortable in how you look, you will put out a much better persona than if you feel awkward or like an imposter, that you shouldn't be dressed like this. Your, your whole body language, posture, even your conversation will be affected by that self-doubt. Absolutely. And yeah. you may not feel comfortable I don't think necessarily if you're stepping outside of your comfort zone, but the process will be enjoyable. Yeah. For example, in New York Fashion Week, I put this outlandish frock situation together. I'm like, this is so not my normal, but I wanted to have some fun. 
walking the streets, going to events. I was a showstopper. I bet. I got praise on the streets. That's why I did it to be recognized for myself, for me to enjoy being seen. Well, that's fantastic. I got home and I looked at myself and I really don't feel like comfortable as me in this, but sometimes you just want to put on a persona. You can role play. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. For the occasion. Yes. Yeah, totally. You don't have to role play in a maid's outfit in the boudoir. <laughs> you can go play in the streets. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is fun. But you can. Or you can do that too. That's, that's... It's your thing. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. Yeah. No, exactly. And this is stepping out of your comfort yes. zone. So, yeah, you know, when I said, yeah, you feel comfortable, that the first stepping out of your comfort zone is uncomfortable by right. definition. It has to be. This shock of seeing yourself in something <laughs> totally different to what you would normally wear. That's a shock. But, you know, if you have the confidence, carry that off. Right. For an occasion, if you want to make a statement and, you know, you want to be seen. Yeah. How have you done this lately? What's How have you stepped out of your own comfort zone? Well, I... I went to uh, Voices last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Good example. Yeah, I went to Voices. You were speaking. You were yeah. a guest. I was a guest and they have a gala and it's amazing. And everybody wears fantastic clothes, like designer clothes. There's top models, top designers. I mean, it's the most wonderful event. I rarely, rarely step out of, of my zone. But I did for the gala. And I found an incredible dress in a charity shop. I love charity shops. Yeah, and it was so wonderful. Describe it. It was dove grey silk. Mm. It was strapless. So what is it called? Oh, a halter style? No, no. bando. Bando. Yes. Thank you. It was bando. With and some it, ruching there, wasn't it? It was ruching uh -huh. underneath the bust to the waist. And at the back, it had like a bustle with a... Uh, it's difficult to explain, but it was soft pleated material that formed like a bustle at the back. Beautiful. And um, a statement. Oh, it was such a statement yeah. from behind. And it had a low V at the back as well. And it was Ooh. boned so you could get away with, with wearing it. I bought some gloves, <laughs> some, some <laughs> dove, bold. dove gray um, over the elbow gloves which I bought in a sex shop, actually. Oh, a fabulous. And I wonder why I liked it so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, to go with the dress. And honestly, so many people said what an amazing look that was. Yeah. And I just, I was, yeah, in heaven. And I was definitely out of my comfort zone because yeah. actually I don't like attention that much. Yeah. But I knew you, you can't turn up at the gala in jeans. No. <laughs> no. That is the space to turn up. Yes. Exactly. And you did. I and did. how did you feel? Like in that, I, I mean, you looked fabulous, but yeah. how did you feel? I felt fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> I felt incredible. I just loved every moment. Yeah. yeah. And there were photographers there from Getty, uh, Getty Images. And, and, you know, and they took pictures and I was posing. That is so not like me. If anybody knows me here. Yeah. Don't like photos. Don't like doing videos. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was out of my comfort zone, but I felt incredible afterwards and at the time. And yeah. looking back on it, it's a fantastic memory. Would you do it again? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. I'm waiting for my invitation for this year as well. We have to. Hello, Imran, back to you. 
plus two. Yeah, that's right. But it's fun because you get to, I think that's sort of falling in love with yourself, is enjoying these moments. Yeah. And really just soaking it all in and being a part of it, not being a spectator. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And letting go of, of perfectionism. I, I, you know, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not, you know, one of the, the supermodels who was there. I'm just me. I was happy with how I look and I really enjoyed the whole experience, the getting the attention. And you did not feel like an imposter? No, not at all. <laughs> I didn't. Not at all takes confidence yeah so where did you get your confidence from i think it was from the dress really yeah from the dress from from putting it on i just felt like a different person yeah Uh, yeah and yeah i do feel imposter syndrome like other people do you Uh, yeah i think it's come from my schooling yeah from being told i'm not good enough yeah Mm. and relationships Mm mm-hmm so we can kill imposter syndrome by loving ourselves more, by getting rid of perfectionism, and doing things that step outside our comfort zone to keep reinventing ourselves. Yeah, exactly. So I think the moral of the story is learn to love yourself more and have fun with fashion. And you belong to anywhere you want to go and you can wear whatever you want to do. Yeah, that's such good advice. Isn't that true? It's so true. Well, this has been great. I love talking with you. You're one of my favorite people. And I learn so much from you every single time. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Zara. It's been my absolute pleasure. It's always fun talking to you. And I learn from you too. And I've learned just in the last five minutes here. To, we are not imposters. We're not imposters. We're, the... We're so not. <laughs> We're so not. We deserve to be here. I know. And more. Love okay. you, Carolyn. Oh, I love you, Zara. Oh, thank you.